Hello, everyone. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. For Marcus Lopez, I'm your host, Larry Smith. On today's program, Sacred Stage, talk with Native playwrights and artists in remembrance of William Yellow Robe Jr. We'll hear from numerous Native and non-Native peoples on the contributions and works of William Yellow Robe Jr., who is instrumental and foundational for creating inroads for aspiring Native American artists and performers. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. You can hear when the moon shines bright The lone blue elk in the black of night You can hear, you can hear The whisper in the valley mm-hmm. And you know when come a cunny blows To the Bahu drum Today on American Indian Airwaves, a two-part segment on Sacred Stage, talks with Native playwrights and artists in remembering William Yellowrobe Jr. He was a member of the Assiniboine and Sioux Nations in Fort Peck, Montana. He was a longtime writer, performer, educator, director, playwright, and activist, and his authored works have been performed in venues across Turtle Island. He taught at the world-renowned Institute of American Indian Arts, including Brown University and the University of Maine. He was the recipient of the First Nations Book Award for Drama, and his authored works or bibliography include such well-known texts as Where the Pavement Ends, Five Native American Playwrights, The Bodyguards, Grandchildren of the Buffalo Soldiers and Other Untold Stories, Res Politics, and The Star Quilter, to name just a few. In the first segment of our show today here on American Indian Airwaves, Marcus Lopez, executive producer of American Indian Airwaves and myself, speak with Albert Abbey Yabara, who's from the Yankee Nation and Project Indigenous Member and Environmental Education Specialist. He's an actor, musician, performer, and more. He had the honor and pleasure to work with William Yellowrobe Jr. over the past decades, and we speak with him in honor and remembrance of William Yellowrobe Jr., who was instrumental, foundational in creating spaces for upcoming Native American theater and arts performers. And now, Albert Abbey Yabara in remembrance of William Yellowrobe Jr. And we're speaking to Abby Ibarra, part of our ongoing series of Sacred Stage, a program that we initiated with Abby Ibarra, talking about the different people that we admire and that have reflected within Indian country, the performing arts. Abby, please tell us about your passing away of your friend William S. Yellowrobe Jr. 
and uh, actor, author, director, educator, playwright, and poet. Please talk about them for us. Yeah, you know, um, as you, you know, earlier we had, uh, I built this whole idea around uh, Bill Yellowrobe, the, the, the life's work of Bill Yellowrobe, who um, just passed over uh, this summer, uh, late summer, and he, he's a, a fascinating uh, writer, a thinker, builder of Native communities, and I got to meet him, Actually, my first introduction to Native theater was around 2009, 2010. I did a play at the Native Museum in uh, in Washington D.C., and it was a Bill Yellowrow play. That he, it was a well-known play of his that had gone on tour. Children of the grandchildren of the Buffalo Soldiers, and it was kind of a, a story about his his uh, family's life all the way back to the 1800s. But Bill Bill's been around uh, for a number of years. But one of the most prolific uh, writers on the scene right now who over the years has become a mentor to uh, a lot of uh, upcoming Native writers. He's, uh, he himself has written about 40 plays and uh, um, short stories. He is known for his, his intellect, his, his humor. Uh, his, um, mostly he's known for building uh, Native community. He, he believes that you know, our stories that we tell create our community. And without our stories, our community is just spread out everywhere. So he, through theater, he, he brought communities together to listen to old stories, put them into uh, entertainment format so people could understand them and have fun listening to the old stories and the old ways. So he was very much involved in, in bringing that uh, whole idea of Indian theater to uh, live on stage. Uh, part of it, again, as a community tool building, community building, you know, tools. But um, and and also some of his plays have made it to main stage. Uh, uh, he's well known on the East Coast. His, the universities have, have all used his plays. Uh, uh, up in Montana, they gave him an honorary degree for his theater playwright work. The University of Montana. Up in Washington, uh, well known. He's played in uh, Los Angeles as well. So he, he's been around the scene enough to make a, a mark. And uh, his loss was a huge loss. Uh, his passing was a huge loss to the Native community and uh, all intertribal uh, communities because he crossed over so many boundaries, you know, that he he was a very humble guy, but at the same time he had so much to say, and uh, he left us 40 plays that I, I hope people will uh, pick up on and, and start to uh, use and, as, as tools for, for building Native communities uh, throughout the country. His background and his offering to people his biography i'll just name a couple for listeners who are native or non-native have to reflect this profound amount of participation within not only performing arts but poetry and education and i'll name a couple where the pavement ends five native american plays in northern oklahoma the university of oklahoma press grandchildren of the buffalo soldiers as you mentioned and other stories, The Bodyguards, The Burning of Uncle, and that's from uh, Learner of the Dancing of the Rim, of the World, the Anthology and Contemporary Northwest Native American Writings, and that's off of Tucson University of Arizona Press, and The Independence of Eddie Rose, uh, and that was um, another part of I'm going to mention is the staging Coyote Dream Anthology, the first Native drama in English, and that's off of Toronto and the Playwrights 
uh, Canadian press. And we can go on and on, but I think that one of the things is so important that you mention. Uh, and why don't you kind of unpack that, Abby? And that is, what's the important role, do you think, as a person that really created with amongst other people of his peers this notion of rallying out the stereotype and telling the true story of the American Indian of of the United States and of Canada. Why don't you unpack that for us? Yeah, well, he was he was important for for breaking down the walls where in the theater world where, you know, they take a look at Bill and they go, oh, you're not an actor type, you know, he was big, dark, long hair. Uh, you know, he didn't look like the actor, as, you know, the stereotypical actor. But he, I think he broke the stereotypes with his, he made fun of stereotypes and made fun of, of uh, pretend Indians. And at the at the same time, bringing distinction to, to what Native people have to offer this country uh, in terms of uh, on stage or off stage. And, and with his stories, his humor stories, uh, his humor just cross you know cross all the political lines and boundaries and made people think and that was you know you know he started off sending his plays off to all the prestigious uh, theatrical publishers you know but uh, they he never saw any response that was positive you know and, and and all the rejections he he received over the years he never let that bother him you know he got all those letters uh, you know we're sorry to inform you your play is not uh, we don't think there's a market for this kind of work, you know. And uh, so he, he went beyond mainstream theater by going uh, to, to smaller venues where more common folk could see and, and, inter- and enjoy the entertainment and as well as listen to the stories. There are some uh, really mind-blowing stories that have happened over the years to Bill, you know, and so when he writes about them and on stage, people start to think about and have a different thought about what Indian theater is about. And so it was, you know, he, he did that very, very well. And um, he crossed over all the lines. You know, he, you know, he, he traveled uh, to Native communities uh, on one of the tours, Grandchildren of the Buffalo Soldiers. Uh, people came up to you afterwards, and they were crying with tears in their eyes because they saw themselves in the stories. And that's really important for Native communities who don't see themselves on TV, uh, aside from a stereotypical screaming, hollering character that's killing white people. You know, they don't see their stories on stage. So it was very meaningful to have for Native people on his tours when he went to Native communities to see themselves on stage, people like them, uh, telling stories about them, their survival stories. It was really, really important stuff that Gil established and uh, broke all the walls down of, of what Indian theater is and what it can be. So... Uh, we're very grateful to Bill and all his work and all the, the many plays. I was fortunate to have done uh, Grandchildren of the Buffalo Soldiers. Uh, it was a tremendous uh, breakthrough for me. I'd been an actor all my life and involved in, in musical shows, but I never knew there was anything like Indian theater until I moved out to the East Coast and I saw an ad. Somebody called me, sent me a, an email and said, hey, they're looking for Native actors. And I go, what? Native actors? And, I, and it wasn't stereotypical, right? I went down there and I read and and I loved, you know, I got I got a part, I got into it, and, and then I met Bill through that, and then he brought me to New York. He was doing a play over there, and he said, "You got to look at this guy, Abby Barr." So that's the kind of person Bill was. He saw somebody that he liked. He wanted to make sure everybody else liked him. So he 
he introduced me to New York City, you know, to the Native uh, theater community there. So it was, it was pretty amazing uh, just to be part of that, uh, just a sliver of, of, of all the people that he's touched over, over you know, the decades. He's been around, you know, for decades doing this work, and I was fortunate enough to have a small sliver of, of what he's been about. But I know he's touched you know, thousands of people, in, 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 including hundreds of communities, uh, both uh, Native communities and and university communities with his work, and it's very meaningful to, to all the people that have, have listened to his work. I, I can't tell you how much we lost when, you know, uh, when Bill's when passing. Uh, it was a, like a, a star in the sky, bright star going out, you know, turning dark, and we can't find it. But we know he's out there because he left us 40 of his works to, to work with, you know. And plus, he's, 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 like I say, he's been a mentor to, I know, dozens of young writers who are now playwrights uh, in their 20s, unheard of, you know, in, in, in decades ago. But we have, you know, dozens and dozens of Native writers all across the country now that uh, I think are there mostly because of Bill's work. Uh, he's influenced so many people that everybody says, yeah, I guess we can do it. We really can do it. Bill, Bill did it. We can do it, you know. So he really, he really created an energy in the Native community that's all across the land here, and uh, we're very, we're very grateful for that. Of course, we miss his friendship, we miss his laughter, his, his, his humor is just uh, nobody matches his humor as far as I, I know in terms of Indian humor. It's just really great stuff, and it's, it's, we're so sad that you know, we had this memorial for Bill to show some of his most poignant uh, passages and the words that he wrote, and he was always humble with his words and. We did prayers before each performance. It was Bill would always pray and thank Creator for uh, allowing us to to put his humble words on the stage and bring them to life. And that was the job of us actors to bring his words to life. But it was always humbling experience for me to be in his plays because uh, they were bigger than life for me. And so, uh, for all the other actors, I, I know would say the same thing about Bill. We're talking about William S. Yellowrobe Jr., who went into the spirit world in the middle of last year raised on the Fort Peck Indian Reservation with his mother. Abby, why don't you talk to our listeners and ourselves, you might say, in the Indian community, about he, he went away from this egotistical um, actor relationship with Hollywood and that stereotype of all these people going in there to think they're, you know, their ego is bigger than the universe. Talk about, also he was an educator. You work with him with some educational projects about the climate change and also about the environment. Talk about that for us. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're listening to an ongoing series, Sacred Stage Talks with Native Playwrights and Artists in Remembrance of William Yellowrobe Jr. And now back to the interview. Well, you know, you know Bill... His, his plays his plays dramatized uh, the historical pain, but but brought it across the stage in a, in, a, in a way that people could understand it and and learn from it, as opposed to uh, watching a movie where there's some stereotypical version of what history was rewritten about. You know, but, but Bill was able to to you know bring the humanity of, of Native people. Uh, his plays were full of Humanity, and uh, when it, it talks about uh, the sharing of the animal world, uh, our cousins in the in the in the in the four-legged world, he brought those two elements together so that we were one humanity and not separating us. And he really, really 
he had this power in uh, his creation of his plays. We did a play, uh, the last play that we worked on before he passed away it was in June, and he died, and he passed away in July. So in June, we did a play for the University of New Hampshire, and it was about the council, and it was about the animal world before man was involved with the animal world. Mm-hmm. And they all spoke to each other, and, and, the, and the humanity of these animals that people think are, are you know, tigers and, and, and orcas and whales and things, talking to each other as humanly as we talk to each other now. And then to see the silly man dropped in on them, and they go, you know, their animals are wondering, what the hell is that? He's got no feathers. What is he going to protect himself with? So the animals taught him how to, how to be a human, how to live. And that was the kind of stuff that Bill brought to life on stage, and it gives you a whole different thinking about the world we live in and, and where we stand in it as, as humans and, and the rest of the living things. So he was able to, to, to bring all those thoughts together in one, in, in one play and make you think about our own humanity or lack of, you know. But he had this uncanny ability to, 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 uh, to bring to the cultural uh, elements of the society all the things that we talk about, we never talk about, but he was able to do it in an educational way. So I, I think the most things that people got away, walked away after listening to a, watching a Yellowstone, Yellow Road play was uh, the, what they learned about culture, what they learned about history, what they learned about humanity, and our connection to to all the you know to to all things in the world. It was just an amazing, uh, amazing thing that he did on stage. William S. Yellow Rope Jr. was a playwright, a director, an educator. Tell me a little bit about his poetry. Well, he was an original voice that uh, we have not heard for some time now. There have been many native writers who have come along over the years, and I and when when I went to college and they gave us. Uh, you know, Native studies. You know, we all jumped into the the, the, the handful of Native writers that that were uh, published at those times in the you know seventies and eighties. And so, a bill was was a, a you know was was an original voice in terms of bringing our stories to life on stage. You know, and there's and there's no one has ever been able to do that. Save Bill, and now others following him will do the same. But you know, he he brought it to the American theater and through native theater, through what we call native theaters. It's our stories done our way, and you know, theaters have learned to accommodate a whole different approach to uh, staging uh, native plays because Bill wrote it, on the, wrote it that way. So there was a lot of different things that happened on stage that most people had not seen before. So I think you know, he was just so courageous. Uh, when they told him no, he didn't get mad, he didn't get angry. He just kept writing, and then he'd find an audience somewhere. You know, he mm-hmm. never couldn't tell him no, and he would quit. He just found another way around it, you know. It's so amazing what you're, what you're talking about, uh, not only friend, colleague, and uh, colleague in education, and also within the performing arts. What do you want people, we're going to air that uh, pieces as memorial, what do you want people to take away from that as they listen to that? Well, he was he was a, a masterful storyteller by himself. He could read any of his plays by himself or his short his short stories plays. He could read them by himself and you would just sit there in awe. So I think, you know, he was he was able to show the humanity that we have forgotten about that our ancestors gave us. But through the series of 
calamities that have been, you know, thrown on the Native community across the country throughout history, we've forgotten our ways. And Bill slowly walked us back to our, our, our way of life. Um, you know, we can't go back to living the way we lived before, but the, the, what, Bill, what Bill brought to the, to the stage was a reenactment of, our, of, of the way we used to be, and that's, that's what he brought on the stage. He, he was known for his humor, but he could read any of these plays and his educational uh, value of what he was saying you know, transcended uh, any movie or cartoon you could, you've ever seen about Native people. And he had this disencanny ability to, to uh, try to heal the pain that we all feel over, over mm-hmm. the decades. Mm-hmm. There's all this Native, this pain that we, we grew up with, and it's you know, passed on from generation to generation. And Bill's words have a way of, of providing a healing force mm-hmm. to deal with that for Native people. And for the non-Native people, they, are, they can learn and see the pain that we had and how we are healing it ourselves. Abby, often when we talk about our physical time on Mother Earth, we talk about living a life and becoming a good ancestor. And now William Yellowrobe Jr. has become an ancestor. And, and our listeners are going to hear part of this uh, memorial and it was a gathering of indigenous peoples and non-native peoples who had the honor and pleasure to work with William Yellowrobe uh, Jr., who was so profound and so instrumental in laying the foundations and creating the inroads and the mechanisms, if you will, for future generations and the next generation of Native American playwrights and theater and art performers. And so for our listeners, give us a sense of the kind of uh, people that participated in the memorial, the accolades, and what that means now that William Yellowrobe Jr. is an ancestor. Yeah, the, um, there are a number of uh, Native theater uh, organizations that exist. Uh, two of them come to mind. One is the Eagle Project of New York City and Amarinda. And Amarinda was uh, another theater-focused uh, organization in New York that Bill worked with initially. And, uh, and then he, about a little over 10 years ago, he worked with the Eagle Project, and they brought and they produced one of his plays, Woodbone. So there was a collection of people there who have all worked with Bill, and some came down from Connecticut who knew Bill uh, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, doing plays up uh, in Connecticut and Maine. Mm-hmm. So there was a whole variety of, of uh, Native and non-Native people who have worked with Bill uh, uh, throughout the years, uh, especially uh, the host of the, of the memorial was uh, the Public Theater, which is uh, now um, the director there is um, Oscar uh, Eustace. And uh, these are the folks that, that worked with Bill many years ago uh, when he was just starting out. Uh, uh, Oscar worked with him, I think, at Trinity College, one of the first time, one of the first productions mm-hmm. they did up in Munich. So there's people from his past that have known him from his early years. Uh, Margot uh, uh, Lukens uh, was another one of the, his, his early uh, you know, assistant people that were helpful to him getting his place produced, so there was uh, members of all all tribes, intertribal community there, mm-hmm. uh, native, non-native, who have all either uh, 
helped produce one of his plays in the in the past 25, 30 years, as well as actors uh, who have uh, portrayed characters in his plays. There was uh, all the scenes that that you heard on the uh, memorial were all actors who have worked on those plays. Mm. Uh, Freedom Bradley Valentine uh, was part of the original tour of Grandchildren of the Buffalo Soldiers. He's now working in the theater in San Diego at the Old Globe. Don Jameson and myself, we did Wood Bones back in 2010. Uh, we repraised the role, reprised the role that we did in Wood Bones. Um, Tom Buckland came down from Connecticut to do a, a veteran Indian, uh, a character that he worked on this production 20 years ago. So there's just a combination of uh, old friends and new friends, and uh, uh, they came together to celebrate Bill because we all value his word. And, and we were in awe sitting there uh, listening to the words over and again, and afterwards we just sat there and, you know, it was quiet for a moment uh, because we just kept marveling at, at, you know, the times that we had in the productions, but also the words were so meaningful. And, and one, of the, uh, one of the actors uh, that have worked with Bob, uh, Bill in the past, Bob Jaffe, he picked the, he's picked these uh, particular scenes because they all dealt with, passing of uh, or descending into another realm. So it, mm. it had to do with Bill's passing, these plays that he wrote about that we were able to uh, put up on stage for his memorial. And then, of course, uh, Maddie Sayet, who is now a professor at the Arizona University, University of Arizona uh, in Phoenix, she, she also spoke because she was a young uh, wannabe actress who Bill turned into a writer and a director. So Bill said, I'm a, I'm a director now, so I guess I'm a director. So, you know, Bill, Bill appointed and anointed so many people. So everybody that was there at the memorial, uh, Bill touched their lives in a magical way. We're speaking with Albert Abbey Ibarra, part of our host of the series of American Indian Airways, A Sacred Stage. And we were going to interview William S. Yellow Robe Jr., or what you affectionately, Abby, you call Bill, and we wanted to hear a couple of those words and the importance of, of Bill's work, and you can always look it up. But we miss talking to him, but we are talking to you now in order to get a better understanding of the essence of William and at the same time, um, bow our heads and open our hearts to their families and friends and the, and the vast community that will keep them close to their hearts in order so we can continue the message of hope, a prayer of spirit of the first peoples of this land and how we reflected so much and cared for people so much. That's just amazing. I, I'm still in awe of his loss and uh, uh, his friendship and uh, being able to Call him and discuss with him a number of things. You know, I I was working on a on a play and I asked Bill, you know, to help me uh, think out some issues that I was dealing with at the time. So having him there was was like going having a, a, a you know fantastic resource. He got you. Know, most people Google stuff. I would call or email Bill and get his feedback. Um, and that was Albert Abbey Ibarra speaking on the remembrance of William Yellowrobe Jr. 
You William Yellowrobe Jr. is a well-known writer, director, performer, educator, mentor, and activist. He helped lay the inroads and foundations for the next generation of Native American playwrights, actors, and actresses, and so much more. He is an accomplished author whose works have been performed in theaters across Turtle Island. That wraps up the first segment of our two-part show here on American Indian Airwaves. This is part of our ongoing series titled Sacred Stage, Talks with Native Playwrights and Artists. After the break, we'll come back and hear the second part of our show here on American Indian Airwaves as we hear from community members who had the honor and pleasure to work with William Yellowrobe Jr., You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. A memorial song by the Porcupine Singers here on American Indian Airwaves. In the final segment of today's program, we continue with our remembrance and honoring of William Yellowrobe Jr. He was a writer, director, performer, educator, author, and activist. What you'll hear for the remainder of the show are excerpts of readings from some of his famous writings, as well as good spoken words of people that had the honor and pleasure to know and work with William Yellowrobe Jr. These are excerpts from the memorial held at the Public Theater in New York City, and we begin with spoken words by Hene Gigama. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I want to thank all the members of the committee who organized this memorial for Bill and who invited me to share some words And I thank Mr. Eustace, who was Bill's longtime friend, for graciously providing space here in the public theater for this event. Aho, Mr. Eustace. I met Bill here in Los Angeles in the summer of 1985, when the project I was with at that time, the Native American Theater Lab at the Los Angeles Actors Theater, brought him from his home on the Fort Peck Cinnabon Reservation in Montana to help us with the production of his jolting play, Sneaky. A lady poet friend of mine had told me about him as a young writer interested in native theater, and we tracked him down. He sent us Sneaky, and we elected to have a go at it. Bill was raring to go to take the plunge into what became a lifelong commitment, and I quickly noted that he knew a lot, really a lot, about theater, possibly more than many of us in the L.A. project. I wouldn't know until years later that he had indeed studied and been tutored by some good folks up in Montana. No question that this young dude from the res could talk the talk and knew his way around the stage. And he was already moving briskly on his journey of writing more plays than any other American Indian playwright ever. He holds that record and will probably keep it for quite a while to come. 
It turned out that the place sneaky was way too powerful a story for us to get a handle on. The final scene stopped us in our tracks. We almost literally didn't know what to say or do. It wasn't that we did not like the story or were turned off by it. It was clearly the writing of a daring visionary, but we were fearful that audiences would reject such an audacious, radical take on the outer limits of alcoholism. Our rehearsals just kind of stopped and Bill, thankfully, was not blown off course or blindsided by all of this. He was disappointed for sure, but he did not get angry, did not blame us or go off. We got him back up to Montana and I didn't see him in person again for several years. To this day, I wish we had been stronger, had been more open-minded and courageous. Bill never mentioned it to me and I was sort of weakly grateful that he and I didn't have to try to analyze what had gone wrong. What I did manage to pluck from this incident was the realization clearly and strongly that I had become acquainted with a gifted, massively courageous and determined artist, a man who possessed a truly creative gift and who would apply his energies to an unmatched, deep and determined exploration of some of the more challenging, dangerous and darker regions of American Indian life in the past, in the present and in the future. I firmly believe that Bill got stronger and stronger and stronger as he moved forward in his career and he did not let failure and struggle and challenges of illness and poverty or success either stop him or discourage him or hold him back. And I will love him and honor him always and always for that. I hope. Thank you. Uh, the following scene is from the play that Oscar mentioned, Grandchildren of the Buffalo Soldiers, Act Two, Scene Five. Oh, little Shio, how are you, my niece? I'm okay, Uncle Craig. It's a good day, isn't it? Yes. Where's your mom? She's home doing the laundry. She let you go play? No. I was visiting our relatives. I've come to visit you and Uncle Elmo. Your Uncle Elmo went fishing. You just missed him. If you hurry, you can catch him. He went, you know, to a secret watering hole. You know how to get there, huh? Yeah, it's easy to find. He marked the trail. Well, you've had three days as Shio. How does it feel to be Shio? Why did Grandma Juanita name me after a prairie chicken, Uncle Craig? Who's your, your grandma's name? It's good to have that name again alive. Why? Sharon was teasing me and said, the reason why they called me Shio is because of the way my legs look. Oh. Yeah, she was trying to get me mad, but I just ignored her. Oh, you didn't get mad? It's good. You still friends? Yeah, we will be. Does she have a name? No, her parents don't believe in it. Believe in what? You know, Indian things. They only go to powwows. Sharon's father says that's enough for their family. Sharon really wants an Indian name. Hmm. Maybe you'll help her, innit? I'll ask my mom and grandma. I didn't say this to you before, Shio, but thank you for giving me a gift. What gift is that, Uncle? I had a chance to sing with my brother, sister, your dad, my uncle, some of, some of my friends. It's real good. You're welcome. And 
Thank you, Uncle. You're welcome, my girl. I brought you a gift. You didn't have to do that, Shio. Here, Uncle. What is it? It's some sage. It's not dry yet. Where'd you get this? When my mom and I were picking berries, I found a good bush. Uncle Elmo said we had a lot of different kinds of sage we used. He said we used them for food, tea, and medicine. I asked my mom what kind this was, but she didn't know. I don't know either. Well, I finally remember what kind it is. It's for prayer, I think. Why did you give this to me? You look sad, Uncle. I hope this will help you. Thank you, Shio. My mom told me that when you light it and bathe yourself, this would help you. I guess it's like a medicine. And you think I need this? Not in a bad way, Uncle. I just know you don't feel good. You can take one of the leaves and rub it in on your cuts on your hands. It will help your cuts heal faster. Like this, Uncle. And you believe this will help me? Uh-huh. Thank you, Shio. What's wrong, Uncle? Are you mad? No. You make me feel good to be home with my family. Really? Yes. Some of the family members who have passed on and those who are, they're just gone. I have one more gift for you, Uncle. Mom told me this is for our family only. I wanted to share it with the people at the celebration, but Mom said this is for our family only and should be kept in our family. What, what is it? Mom said this is a part of us. She said we are a part of so many things and there are so many parts that come together that make us whole. And this is one of them. I want to do this for you and in memory of Grandpa. For you and all our relations. She takes out a tape recorder from her backpack and shawl. August turns on the tape recorder and as the music plays, August begins to dance a reel. <laughs> So, I'm gonna share some, some, I'm gonna try not to spend the whole time crying, but um, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm gonna speak a little bit from my experience as a young person who is not so young anymore, but um, uh, was greatly affected by Bill's role in my life. At 20, um, having just graduated college, disappointed by what the theater was revealing itself to be, my sister forwarded me a fortuitous email William Yellowrobe Jr. is seeking native actors to volunteer to be in a reading of his new play, Woodbones, up in Maine. When I drove up there, I found out I was in fact the only native actor who had volunteered. And what that meant was I was not only going to be in the reading, but would be driving Bill around throughout our residency as well. <laughs> Which at the time actually was a huge perk. <laughs> um, I had never met a professional native theater artist before. I remember leaning over to him sheepishly and asking, in my acting training program, uh, a lot of my professors have told me to hide the fact that I'm native because they think it will keep me from being able to work, but I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know that I can. What do you think I should do? Bill laughed <laughs> and said, there are enough Indians pretending not to be Indian. Don't let anyone else tell you who you are. And as I spoke Bill's words in that reading, my first time performing a native play, I found out what theater could be. For myself, for my community, I saw that this could be a place of family, history, and hope. A place of change. Without that reckoning, without Bill, it is very likely I would have moved back to Mohegan and done something else with my life. 
He then invited me to be in another reading of Woodbones, directed by Bob Jaffe, uh, who's done such work putting this event together, um, in New York that the Eagle Project produced. And that's how I began to meet the Native theater community in New York for the first time. When I directed my first show around the same time, Bill immediately went and told everybody, Maddie's a director. <laughs> Before I even knew that I was one. He didn't see the work. He just heard I directed one time, one time, and then he went and he told Diane Freyer and Amarinda, oh, Maddie, say it, she's Mohegan, she's a director. He said so, and so I was now a director, um, which led to many, many more incredible collaborations with all of you. When I then questioned my ability to continue within the white world's rules of what a director is supposed to be, he offered, maybe we shouldn't be using that word. We need to be using the words in our own languages for what we are doing. So I went home and I asked an elder what the Mohegan word for director would be, and she said, Katahan uh, uh, which more closely meant our heart, she leads us there. And that reframing enabled me to move forward in the field knowing my ancestors had my back. But ultimately, uh, it was Bill, who I knew always had my back, no matter what. For every teacher I had growing up who didn't think I could ever be a writer or performer or director, there was Bill, making sure I knew that not only was I needed, but that what we were doing was incredibly important. He knew it takes every single one of us to make the work happen, and he wasn't going to leave any one of us behind. The number of times I saw him scrounge up a last-minute cast, knocking on doors literally, and making calls were proof enough of that. He never cared how polished someone was as an artist. He just cared that they had a good heart and that we came together to tell a story. The last time that I worked with Bill in person was in the fall of 2019 up at the University of Maine. It was on his one-man show, a series of writings about moments in his life, moments he said he wasn't ready to write about until now. And I say this because he never stopped growing never stopped pushing, never stopped sending new pages, even from hospital beds. He loved theater and stories and all of us in a way that there are no words for. When I first met Bill 12 years ago, he said he had almost died the week before. <laughs> that the doctors thought for sure he was a goner. So I know that despite wishing there was more time, every play we worked on together was a gift. So to close, I just want to share this exchange we had when I was directing his adaptation of Powell Highway for Amarinda. I told him an actor wanted to know whether her character was alive or dead, and he thought this was the stupidest question in the world. He shrugged, what's the difference? <laughs> Bill, you never question the power a spirit has walking in either world, so I know you're here with all of us today. For honoring us with your stories, your laughs, and your mentorship. I know you'll continue to do so. And with that, I'd love to introduce Joe Cross and John Scott Richardson. Uh, we'll be performing a scene from Bill's adaptation of Powell Highway that was the last full production of a play um, of Bill's in New York that Amarinda produced. Powwow Highway, Act 1, Scene 5. Filbert stands outside of a sweat lodge frame. Early dawn, he holds a brown paper bag. I'm here. Hello? I'm here at the Sacred Mountain. 
Nahawus, the Black Hills. Man, buddy, buddy's gonna be really pissed when he finds out I took a major detour, a big U-turn. I don't know why I'm here. But yeah, yeah, yes I do. I'm here to gather some things for my trip, for my journey. Is, is this okay? Hello? What are you doing here? Oh, I'm, I'm here to gather some things for my trip. Oh, you are one hell of a long way from home, huh? Uh, no, uh, no, y y yeah, well, yeah. What are you doing here? Oh, uh, you're not like one of those new age hippie types coming up here to get high and to snag, are you? Oh, no, no. Well, good. Well, what's your name? Filbert. Hello, Filbert. Hey, hello. What tribe? I am Cheyenne. Oh, so this is sort of your home too, huh? Yes, yes. Uh, who, who are you? Uh, just some, some old guy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can call me that for now. Okay, old guy. <laughs> so, what you got in the bag, Filbert? Oh, I have some, I have a gift. A gift? Yes. For who? Oh, for my people. Oh, good. You don't have any dope in there, do you, oh, Silver? No, no, no dope. No beer, no, no drinks? Oh, no, 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 none of that. Oh, good. Well, I won't bother you then. Hey, old guy, thank you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Old guy goes behind the screen and we see the image of a coyote running. Oh, old guy, thank you. Thank you. Oh, what's, what's this? Oh, nice. Thank you. You're listening to an ongoing series here on American Indian Airwaves titled Sacred Stage Talks with Native Playwrights and Artists in Remembrance of William Yellowrobe Jr. And now back to the show. Up next is Ryan Opalaniatet, Victor Pierce. When I think of Bill, um, one of the words that comes to mind, probably the most important word that comes to mind, uh, besides spam, is uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, is community, and um, because the probably the most important phrase that will stick with me when I think of Bill is that when he said, "Whatever I ever needed in my life, I got from my community," and I must say that um, in this past two years that we've all experienced together, nothing. Nothing is more important than that. Thank you, Bill. So, Bill's plays, stories, and poetry touched on the American psyche in a way unparalleled by any other playwright in the American theatrical canon. He unearthed stories that the United States has tried to bury. He had his finger on the sources of American motives, pain, and hope. And through lyricism and humor, he often showcased the folly of chasing false idols and the importance of remaining true to where you come from and its values. For many of us in the Native American theatrical, theatrical community, Bill 
was an elder, mentor, guide, and friend. And we at Eagle Project were blessed to be able to have our first project be one of Bill's plays, Woodbones, back in 2013. Bill grounded us and me personally in what Native theater should be, should strive to be, and equally as important, what it should avoid. He was like, as, as I often say, um, a moral compass. In addition to inspiring generations of Native theater artists after him, Bill also provided a framework for which Native tribal theater can build on and grow. He was writing Native stories and plays when very few other Native artists were able to or had the opportunity. He persisted against the ugly yet unseemingly intractable American legacies of racism and poverty. And while we may not yet have achieved the communal and just artistic vision that I believe Bill often spoke of and fought for, he has relayed unto all of us the wisdom and tools for which to get us closer to the true purpose of Native tribal theater, and I would argue American theater in general. Panamya, Bill, we will not let you down. And I have the honor, before I introduce the next scene, of reading uh, something that Jace Weaver, uh, since he could not be with us today, uh, something that Jace Weaver would like to say. Sometimes you meet someone and you know you've met a friend for life. Though I'd known Bill's work for decades, I had never met him until we went on Facebook. We ran across each other and bonded while, some, while spontaneously improving a scene in which Bill was trying to bring 24 cans of Spam onto an airplane. <laughs> I was a TSA agent explaining to him that the gelatin around the meat was liquid. A short time later, I, was invited, I invited him to read at the University of Georgia. By the time his two-day stay was over, we had hatched the plane for the collection of his works that became Restless Spirits. And after that, we spoke often and saw each other when we could. We had plans for another anthology, which sadly won't happen now. Bill saw his art as a way of giving to Native American community. He always gave much more than he took. Sometimes you meet someone and you know you've met a friend for life. In the case of Bill and me, we just didn't know how short that time would be. And now I would like to introduce Abby Ybarra and Don Jameson reading a play that was in that anthology of Restless Spirits and was also the first play that we at Eagle Project had the honor of doing, Woodbones. Thank you. So, we're doing the last scene from Wood Bones. It's a scene where Leroy has freed the spirit from a building where generations of people have lived. What am I? You are, or you were, 121 East Hampshire. I don't know what to call you now. A spirit? A ghost. No, a ghost means you died. You are a spirit that was made there. And like all life, we need a place to start. I wasn't alone, was I? I had. Families, people with, within me, where are they? They're all gone. Some of them have left the area. Some of them have passed on and others are waiting to pass on. I know her, that, that little one. Yes, but they don't know you. Not now. I, I, I will miss them. Let them start their own journey. You held on to them for a long time. You've done good by them. Me? What do I do now? 
Go. Go wherever you want to. There's nothing to hold you back now. I... I'm alive? You were always alive. People, couples, families, they all made you come to life. You were both good and bad to some, but you never had a say in it. The little girl, I feel so bad about what happened to her. It, it wasn't my fault. Is that why I couldn't leave? No, no. You, you supported whatever life came to you. You can't be held responsible for what others brought to you. It's that, well, when people left, they left something of themselves here. And that was never released. This area has always had a heavy feeling when I walked past you. The burden that you were carrying, it held you too. A reason? My grandson told me when he was in science class, he learned that all life is made of atoms. You never know what kind of life they're going to make or bring. You can only watch and see what kind of life they make. You were allowed to see all the atoms, but you never really had a hand in how they were going to create life. What do I do next, Leroy? Where, where will I go? Don't be afraid. You have freedom now. Never be afraid of freedom, because we were all given that. Thank you. I'd like to introduce Tom Buckland in a scene from Better in Indian. Brothers and sisters. Oh, I'm Sacred Sam, the sacred shaman with the sacred and special secrets of shamanism. Today, we have all kinds of sacred and ceremonial objects for sale. You say you've seen a peace pipe on television or in the movies? Well, I'll do you one better, brothers and sisters. I have one here that was used at the Fort Laramie Treaty signing, and it could be yours for just $500. That is a big aho. Let me tell you, friends, I deal in only the best and top quality Indian artifacts in all of Indian country. I have buyers across Indian country making deals and treaties with all the people to bring only the best in shamanism artifacts to you. Aho? You say you need a sweat lodge, a Sundance lodge, a kiva, a longhouse? Well, we have a former HUD construction crew that can build it for you at cost. That's right, at cost. Duct tape is optional. We have feathers, eagle, hawk, peacock, owl, and for our urban brothers and sisters, pigeon feathers by the flock. We have remodeled and reopened our print shop. So if you want to advertise that sweat or sun dance or kiva or just a simple ceremonial gathering of family, we can print your posters, flyers, towels, napkins, or matchbooks for half the price. You just give us the basic information and we'll have your posters or flyers to you within a week. We offer different designs. We've got your basic white buffalo, raven, bear, and the trickster himself, coyote. <laughs> we also have a wonderful deal, tanning salons in all of our stores. <laughs> So you can touch up your tans and you white women won't need to take the tough and mean looks of the dark sisters. And windows of the soul optic center. So if you need to cover up those blue or green eyes, 
we can offer contact lenses in brown, dark brown, and oh my God, how much peyote did you eat? Because I can't see your pupils darkest brown. <laughs> and for all of you shamans who have a little more snow on top of the lodge, or maybe the Great Plains are getting a little thin, we offer the best hair color treatments and hair plugs in all Eternal Island. But wait, there's more. We can now order you Cherokee Jeeps in all four colors of the four directions. You just tell your girlfriend to get in line and online and she can buy you one or all four colors with her credit card. Let me tell you, friends, if you're a new shaman or a self-proclaimed healer or have no status affiliation or tribal affiliation, you can still qualify for the Shaman Saver discount. That's a 10% discount off every item in the store, plus a, sweet, a free braid of sweet grace. And as Elder Tom Big Sputtering Eagle says, it's not the way the sweet grass burns, it's the length. Oh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Remember, friends, this is the place where you can buy everything. The moment of silence is over. And that concludes the show for today here on American Indian Airwaves. You are listening to excerpts from a recent memorial held at the Public Theater in New York in the remembrance and honoring of William Yellowrobe Jr. This was part of our ongoing series, Sacred Stage, Talks with Native Playwrights and Artists. A special thank you to our guest, Albert Abbey Yabara. A special thank you to our musical guest, Aragon star Koopa Aina, the Porcupine Singers, and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves is mixed and mastered in the studio of Burnt Swamp Studio in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Until next time. The moment of silence is over. And for the innocent you can't justify Why your freedom manifests on their graves And the blood never comes clean from the guilty minds Nor the hands that hold the chains is over.